Attention. I have an announcement for all members of Zaft and the Earth Forces in this region. At this moment, the plants are preparing to conduct negotiations between the Earth Forces and the plant sponsor nations. Immediately following the commencement of these discussions, the Plant Provisional Supreme Council will propose a request for the Earth Forces to cease all combat activities in restricted regions. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast. For one more episode, at least, I'm Jeremy. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. And we are watching the last episode of Gundam Seed today to an endless future. It's been a long 48 episodes for us, but... (laughs) Yes, it has. Here we are. It feels a little weird. Maybe you'll feel different after it's over. Well, just the fact that we're ending Gundam Seed. Yeah. I feel like I should ask you for predictions, Tyler, but I should have done that at the end of last episode before you had watched this one. (laughs) Uh, Predictions are just about how the series is going to end. Ooh, that would have been a good idea. I didn't even think about that. I thought about it the moment we stopped recording last week. Yeah, so unfortunately I have now watched this episode. Although it actually more or less turned out pretty much how I expected. Especially since I had some things about Destiny spoiled for me already, so I know some people lived. If I had known about Destiny, I honestly probably would have thought that Kira died at the end. Yeah, I actually think the moment's really good at tricking you into thinking he has. Obviously, he hasn't. I actually really think the end is effective, so should we just get to it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's say, let's uh, hop in. So the episode starts with lots of battle animation. A bunch of it is stuff we've already seen. The same shot of a djinn getting destroyed we've seen a hundred times. Some strike daggers getting destroyed we've seen like three. And a guazine that I think is new. It's kind of like a recycling of animation like right at the beginning for the battle because we've already kind of finished seen that. the battle. Meanwhile, Lacus Klein is philosophizing over it. We see the meteors going into battle, and just now, for the first time, I noticed that Kigaldi is riding on the meteor with Athern, and I hadn't <laughs> seen that before. Like, it's I didn't, a motorcycle. I didn't even notice that. Like I said, I've seen this episode probably 30 times, and I haven't noticed it before. I th- oh, that is awesome. <laughs> I'd never noticed that before. I guess, like, I probably saw it. I just assumed it was uh, the justice for some reason. Meanwhile, Krotho, the the last druggy standing, is going through withdraw while Izak and Diarka kind of watch. And we see that Rao sees the head of the Strike Gundam, as well as Mulaflaga's helmet in the original, but they edited that out of the HD version. I don't know why. Maybe they just needed an extra couple of seconds <laughs> to cram in some stuff they added at the end. Was it um actually there? I no, thought it's in I... another shot. Okay, there was another shot, all right. While Maru is crying, it's like, promise me you're going to come back. You said you wouldn't be like that other jerk who died. I mean, everyone should expect that from Mula Flaga. Well, I mean, he's awesome. They did clearly just didn't take into account that his uh, protagonist armor might have run out by then. Or his plot <laughs> armor must have run out. So Kira peels off from Atherin and Kigali. And I would have sworn they were going to add a new type flash to the scene in the HD version, but they don't. Because it's a very new type. I must go. Yeah, I, my senses are calling me. Um, I must go. My people need me. This last well, I guess I'm shooting at my people. Other people need me. It's funny because we've been talking for a long time about how this is basically the original Gundam just modified. But this last episode is a very, very, very Gundam in a way Gundam Seed hasn't been, especially recently. 
I was gonna say there's a lot of like people noticing each other from across the battlefield and a lot of like very dramatic like one on one duels and yeah. stuff. And ghost girls giving you the power to <laughs> defeat your enemy. Kira's like, I've sensed something. Take care of Kigali for me as he flies off into the battlefield. I that sense a disturbance like, in the force. Yeah, very new type. And that's where we get the opening scene for the last time. I would say I'm going to miss it, but the first opening of Gundam Seed Destiny is legit maybe my favorite opening. It's either that or the second opening of Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> oh, okay. So not not just of yeah. Gundam, but just like of of an anime. I, I don't really know what like I would it. say is my favorite. It's hard to say. There's a lot I like, and some of them are attached to not so great shows. It may not even be that good, but I really like them. <laughs> I'd love to say that's the last boob bounce we're gonna get. But <laughs> Destiny is coming. <laughs> Gross. I'm still not sure what I think of the meteors. They're just. I am not a fan. They're too bulky. They're too big. I like them for those reasons and for the narrative purpose they get to serve in this episode, but they're not my favorite, but I do want a model of them. Aesthetically, I'm not super into them. Like, functionally, they're, I mean, they make a lot of sense. They're definitely something that would be designed by a government contractor at some point. I definitely like the, like, boost element to a mobile suit, especially when it doesn't transform it, but it just, like, looks like it's docking in it. It's a trope I like and wish more Gundam series engaged in. I think they probably don't just because, like, they do make things a lot more bulky and they kind of hide the overall mobile suit from view. Yeah. Because they don't look quite as good when they're attached to the meteors because, you know, the meteors are these big bulky backpacks. And like I said, that's part of the appeal to me. And I guess in mobile suit backpacks, like we're watching, they make the most sense. So when the opening is done, we see the Archangel kind of adrift in space on fire while Murdoch is trying to do damage control. Um, Man, that's got to be murder given the fact that they don't have a full crew. They've never had a full complement of people on board that thing. Which makes a good job of explaining why the Archangel isn't really in the rest of the fight. While Flay Shuttle is heading towards the Archangel still. Well, actually, they're just drifting and Flay says we should get to the Archangel. Well, we've seen in the previous episode them heading that direction. But the Providence is approaching and it appears on the... Archangel's radar. We get reactions from Diarca and Izak as Izak says, I don't know that one. That's one of ours, though. So Diarca fires at it and it deploys the funnels in response in a cool shot. And while we don't get new type flashes for Kira, we do get them from Rao in response to Kira showing up, which hasn't happened before. It's always just been between Mu and Rao before. I actually really like the look that he gets because he gets the the new type flash, which is something he's only ever had from Mu. And he has kind of a stricken or surprised, maybe even panicked look on his face when he's trying to figure out what happened or where it's coming from. Because he knows Mu's dead. Yeah, as it's fading through like his face to the actual mobile suit. And he just barely manages to dodge the Freedom's big (laughs) laser guns while using the funnels to just tear up the buster. Kind of surprised that they tore up the buster that bad. Like, are these normal? They're beam weapons. I feel like we have seen phase armor get hit by beam weapons and like not. We really actually care. don't see it. We we actually don't see uh, the phase armor get hit by beam weapons very often. They always use the shields to block okay. them. So, it, but the Buster doesn't have a shield. And again, I think one of the reasons I like the meteor is we see Kira having to dodge with this big bulky thing. All these little dragoons—they're called dragoons rather than funnels—in this. So I'll probably use the two words interchangeably. And I really like that, because again, it shows Kira's skills that he can still be dodging and moving quickly, even with this giant lumbering thing on his back. One of the things that I really liked about the Buster getting nailed is the first shot that hits it and causes a massive explosion hits one of its missile launchers. And then obviously, well, I guess not obviously, but then his head gets taken off. I just like having how it's like he's getting ready to launch missiles so the panels open and the missiles actually get hit so they get set off inside the mobile suit. 
Yep. It's a pretty cool shot. And I like how it's torn apart piece by piece. We're going to see that a lot this episode with some different mobile suits, but it's cool that it just gets systematically taken apart by the funnels. Especially because right before this, we'd seen Moo go down. So we know some, everybody's basically on the table. You know, is this number two? Is Diarca going to be the second guy to die in this final battle? I mean, obviously the Astray's already gone, but like they weren't really main characters. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of screen time. So the meteor shoots all its missiles. And another thing I like that the Providence says we don't see with a lot of funnel mobile suits is it like uses its funnels for like a cross beam sort of almost shield to shoot down all the missiles. Yeah, an anti-missile system of a kind. That's actually a really cool use of them. And speaking of being taken apart piece by piece, he gets a shot on one of the meteor's two arms and takes it out and then slashes the other one because it's big and bulky and can't really defend itself from a mobile suit. I like that those are modular and kind of like detat, like you can destroy those and the propulsion system still works. Murr's like, hey, can we back Kira up since he's getting his ass kicked? But the Archangel is too out of it. Well, so. one of the things that I kind of like there is like up to this point, we've seen Maru um, like in tears and really distraught. But now that there's kind of a crisis at hand, Kira's getting shot at, you know, there's a mobile suit going after him, and there's something really for her to do. And then she can't like, do anything. <laughs> like, I mean, she can't do anything, but it's kind of clear from the appearance of, like, just her face and everything like that, that it's allowing her to kind of focus on what's currently still important. Yeah, Moo is gone, and we're going to have to mourn later, but just that, mourn later. And we get some uh, philosophical-ish prattle from Rao. I actually really like that, but we'll get into it more, I think, when we get to the meat of it rather than him just taunting Kira. Meanwhile, Izak is flying over to Diarca, whose cockpit looks like it's exploding. There are so many sparks. And the raider shows up from behind with Klasso having clearly lost it, even more so than Rao. Yeah. Rao can at least philosophize still. Um, one of the things that like this really brings to mind is that you see Diarca's cockpit like flashing red and sparking and going crazy. This would be a perfect spot to eject. Right. Oh, wait. Although right. in this case, um, they're the, prototypes, they're, so they may not have been fitted with an ejection system yet. And also, I'm going to talk about ejection later. This is maybe not the best time to eject when he's under fire. Your choices in some of these situations are stay in the suit and get shot to death or just That's have true. the suit explode or eject and take your chances. That's true. So the duel like tries to fall back with the buster, but gets its beam shot out of its hand, which explodes in this nice, pretty explosion. Although I hadn't noticed that before. Diarca's helmet's cracked, so ejecting in space wouldn't have been a good idea in the first place. But one of the things that I really like about that as well is that Isaac's trying to fall back, and it's clear the buster doesn't have anything left. Like, there's no power left, so he can't move. It's missing an arm, too, and like you see the big gun from its back just kind of attached by the uh i thought it was still being held thing. on to like I th- the I arm still had an arm hold on no so it's just it. kind of dangling uh so rao tells kira that he can't exist because if people found out that he a perfect dude exists they would all want to be him uh, which is proven in the ultimate universe by all the people trying to copy the captain america syndrome <laughs> i really like rao's line here and i'm not sure if it's just a bad translation is like i can't let you live because people will want to be like you and therefore, they'll want to be like you. I'm, I, that's, I that's redundant. Yeah, it's, it's redundant. I'm like, well, on the other hand, Rao is kind of insane at this point. So Kira pulls out both beam sabers and goes even more Star Wars trying to deflect the beams coming at him with them, which is not something that normally happens in Gundam. And it doesn't work very d- well, Just because honestly. of the big, ca- the big cannons. I got a vision of that old, the, the Warhammer 40K meme with the commissar with the sword hanging out of a tank. Just the, drive me closer, I want to hit them with my sword. Just kind of the, 
I will now go over and hit you with my sword instead of using any of my guns. I think it is defensive because he just shot the guns and we'll find out in a second that shield is stored like in the meteor so he can't pull that out. No, I, I think you're right. I just, just like I said, I had the vision of the meme more than actually anything else. So we see Sai and Flay are both watching this helplessly from different windows. As Rao continues to pummel the meteor with funnel fire. How are the funnels powered that they have this many beam shots on yes. them? I mean, I assume they take power every time they dock. But I assume the giant starfish is for. <laughs> but we haven't actually seen them redock with, unless we've only ever I seen him deploy three of them. But if he has more than that and they're just constantly. He has 12. If they're constantly like cycling out. That like, might make sense. Three redocking every, like every other so often and repowering or anything like that. And if his suit has the uh, fantasy world nuclear reactor. That it does. It does. Have. We already know yeah. that. So Clotho's completely and totally lost it. I was actually kind of waiting for a follow-up line to that. He's like, you know what? I'm... And then he just like never well, actually... He's, he's, he's in withdrawal and just totally out of it. So the first really cool moment, I think, in this episode, and it has quite a few, is that Isaac just like in his frustrated normal tone is like, give me that! And he grabs the buster's giant gun and kind of drags the buster behind him so he can use it under his shoulder like the way the buster normally does it. And he's like, I won't lose to this guy. And they both shoot cross, but the buster only hits the dual shoulder, whereas Isaac hits him straight through the chest. By the you buster. mean the, the raider? Yeah, yeah, I do mean the raider. Um, which I attribute actually to, like, Clotho's just, like, freaking out and, like, his aim is way off. So. And also, they're, he's using a head-mounted weapon. Isaac's using a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he can be slightly off-center. I, I do really like that thing because it's also kind of the first time we've seen Isaac get to do anything really cool. Oh, and he well, did I, destroy the Forbidden last episode. Well, I still think Isaac's kind of a bastard and deserves worse than he gets. That's still kind of a cool moment. No, yeah, this and, is really cool. And he did um, it because he went to save his friend. So Yeah, and which is like kind of the full turnaround from like when he wasn't sure whether or not Diarco was still an ally. And now he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm saving him on the battlefield. I'm saving him anyway. And also, instead of just exploding immediately, the raider gets to like fly up and behind them. So they get a cool guys don't look at explosions moment <laughs> as it is destroyed behind them. Well, and it also kind of gives you that moment of did he actually hit him or not? Yeah. And then right after that, uh, the duel runs out of power. Convenient. Well, uh, presuming it's still on, like, emergency power, so he can still fly back to a hangar or something like that, because we've seen them run out of juice before. And he is right by the Archangel. Or at least very, very close where they can maneuver to put them inside. So Kira has decided to rebut some of Rao's philosophy and says, hey, my strengths aren't the only thing that make me the person I am. But this philosophical uh, declaration is not enough to give him the advantage, because <laughs> Rao's like, no one will believe that. I feel like they must be playing Burning Wheel at this <laughs> point. <laughs> Well, my next attack is going to be a funnel strike, followed by philosophical rambling, followed by rebuttal. <laughs> and yeah, the dragoons look really cool when they're all like in formation going at them, going at Kira. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of Rao yelling, rambling, and kind of rambling. Yeah. So he finally gets a beam saber strike on the meteor and basically takes it out right as Kira notices the shuttle and he notices Flay is inside. I take <laughs> zoom and enhance cliche. I think that's definitely the way it's filmed. I more take it as a new type thing because I guess I can talk about extra textually. They say Kira has become a new type at this point. And it does make sense, like not in story, but like dramatically speaking with Moo's death, that's triggered him, even though he doesn't know about it. And definitely Rao is reacting to him that way. So it all reads right. So I always took this as a new type. He just knows. The way I've always seen this is like, that's kind of a, Never mind. I was going to say I always saw it as metaphorical until he starts talking. Because, like, at that point, he saw a shuttle. 
and he'd already failed to save one. So yeah, that's so it what might I be triggering flashbacks. But then he starts talking, and then it's clear he knows who's on board the thing. So the meteor is destroyed uh, by the funnels, and ejects the freedom shield in the last second. And Rao's like, yep, I'm going to take that shuttle out. Just to be a dick. As Kira is going like open-handed towards it, like no! when he held Atherin's hand. And Rao takes the shot, and the freedom isn't close enough. But there's this really cool shot of the shield just coming into frame <laughs> as it's been launched. <laughs> just, as he just grabs it. Happens like, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And there's this, like, yeah, like head and move it, where Flacey's the freedom. And, and it's survived. really cool. And Kira's like, I'm glad I saved you. And he gets really excited. And then just Rao <laughs> takes another shot. And just, <laughs> I love this so yeah, much. And then a funnel has maneuvered itself behind Kira and just shoots the shuttle from where it has no defense right through the top. And boom goes the shuttle and everybody on board. Yeah, I. I actually love the animation in this explosion here. And we like, see, like, Flay burning to death. Yeah. Not graphically, but we see the fire enveloping her. I'm, I've always wondered whether or not Rao knew who was on board that thing. No, I don't think so. I don't honestly. think he really... I think he just knows Kira wants to save them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't think he knows. I just... I also don't think he cares. He just knows, I'll shoot that because it'll mess with Kira's head for absolute... And that's the only reason. Yeah, and he recalls the funnels. We see them docking on his little starfish, and he flies away. Job well done. Well, he's got to leave Kira to, um, you know, to angst. angst now. Yep. I mean, this is pretty worth angsting over, frankly. And that's but... also kind of his... um. Well, it's also kind of Rao's thing as well, because, like, he wants to torment Kira, so letting him sit there and basically stare at his failures very much in his, in his wheelhouse... Why Psy knew that it was Flay, I have no idea. Well, because he knows those ships came from the Dominion. So, but, although I don't know how he would know she was on the Dominion. Although, yeah, I guess no, she, does, she did contact yeah. them, I guess. So, But, like, I, I don't know if they actually showed whether or not they could actually saw the shuttle there. Because no one would seem to be talking to it. They definitely see it. the explosions. So. Well, they see the explosion, but they don't necessarily see the, the shuttle. I mean, given Maru's priorities, I assume she would know shuttles were coming and... They would have had a plan for accepting them. So then we get, like I said, very, very Gundam in a way Gundam Seed has not been. And that we get Ghost Flay forming in, if you've ever watched a Gundam Seed, exactly how you think she would. <laughs> I'm really not a fan of this. It depends. There are things I like about it. I don't know that it fits Seed super well. So, especially because we haven't really been presented with anything along these lines yet. Like, if it had been a situation where we'd already kind of seen some of the mo some more supernatural-type elements at work or at play during the series, beyond Kira's amazing ability to avoid getting killed... I mean, new um, types are psychic. Yeah, but th this series hasn't established anything about new types, is the thing. It's so if you're a Gundam fan and you know about new types and you're like, hey, is Kira a new type? This is a cool scene? Because it's like, yeah, he is. But if Gundam Seed is all you're watching, this one kind of comes out of nowhere. So what I read this as, actually, is all of Kira's lines, honestly, could have been to just, like, it seems like something he could be saying to himself. I'm actually kind of wondering if this is, like, a metaphor, like, I don't know, Flay's last wish. I don't think this is actually happening, but I guess I, is my point. I don't like the sequence in general because it comes out of left field. I mean, yes, does it make some sense for Kira in general to be mourning this kind of thing? But at the same time, we've never seen him break down to this level. And granted, this is the first person he's really, well, I mean, besides Tall, this is the first person he's lost that he really cared about that we know of. But at the same time, you can show that with better ideas than this. This seems more like they're hearkening back to the original Gundam 
more than actually doing something because it was a good idea. See, I kind of like that, though, because it gives this whole episode, I think, a bigger feel. <laughs> it almost makes the stakes seem bigger because it's calling back to this big, bigger franchise. At the same time, though, I do take all your points. It does feel kind of weird. The other reason I think we need this scene is Flay needs, I think, more of a resolution yeah to redemption or something not even redemption but resolution i've talked about how this series attempts to do a better job than previous gundam series with its female characters and flay's one where it really drops the ball i feel because it turns her into like a you call a lala Cersei figure Lannister? yes well i did but this turns her into like a lala figure or a it's one of the girls in zeta gundam where her death serves to just motivate the male protagonist <laughs> who already has plenty of motivation Kira is not particularly unmotivated at the moment. Yeah. It's just like, like I said, I don't really care for this. If it's like Tyler said, I think it would actually work better if we saw the entire rest of the episode with him talking to himself. Yeah. yeah. But we don't see that. So, here's the other thing is in the other series, this is a bigger deal. Like Lala's ghost getting between Amaro and Shar is a huge deal because she has a relationship with both Amaro and Shar. And they can and, both see it, right? Yeah. In Zeta Gundam, there's the mysterious like biofield that they're like, this is a new type thing. We think it'll work. We don't know how. <laughs> and then what, as more and more people die, the Zeta Gundam gets stronger and stronger. And we see all the ghosts metaphorically with Camille. Um, and oh, so it has. Is that what that, the biosensor is supposed to yeah. do? Well, the biosensor is like, eh, this feels feeling, this like senses feelings. So we think it'll make a new, uh, type stronger. We're not really sure how it works, but we field tested it and it does. So, <laughs> and it has a really Zeta Gundam feel to me. I mean, meaning to talk about this, this whole finale is very similar to Zeta Gundam. The end of that is three factions fighting over a giant colony laser. Whoever gets it will basically be in position to take all. So. And here we are. Yeah, three factions. It's not been set up as well. This is going to really bite them in Destiny when they're like, hey, let's do Gundam Seed again, but adapt Destiny. And they're going to realize, wait, we took all the good ideas from Data already. Oh, no. But I do like this because it harkens back to the franchise and I think gives this a bigger feel. It raises the stakes, but it comes out kind of, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Not and, just kind of, it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and Flame needs a resolution, but I don't know that this is the best way to do it. I do like that. She and Kira get to end, like, not at each other's throats, though. Honestly, I kind of think it would have been perfectly fine for uh, Flane not to get a resolution. Because it doesn't, you know, not everything has to be wrapped up in a tidy bow. That's, But, like I said, I don't like this sequence entirely. I think it just pulls everything out. But, like, it slows everything way down. Flay is saying things like, I wanted to apologize. And Kira's just like, why is Flay dead? You're gonna have to be careful there, Kira, because you're, uh... Your helmet might start uh, misting up there. <laughs> might need to turn on the defroster. I actually do really like the bit where Ghostflay is talking about how she didn't really understand anyone else because I feel like it times into the themes of the episode that are occurring later. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like we've talked this scene to death. It's a weird part in the episode. It's beautifully animated, though. I, I can't I, I can't take that away from it. Like I said, I just don't like the left field aspect of it. Flay's true feelings will protect him. A sturdy wall or good armor will do a better job than that. I do really like how the like freedom fl is falling out of an explosion, like there's gravity in space or yep. something, uh, <laughs> and he recovers from it. Though that's well, a good. It actually, did blow him away, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much gravity it's as the it is the explosion. shockwave from the explosion, because yeah. he also wouldn't stop unless he ran into something. True. 
So then we get a really quick scene of some battle where, like, all the extra players are getting mopped up a bit. I like it because it has the feel of transitioning. Like, it's moving across the battlefield from where we are to the Kursunagi and the Eternal and showing battles along the way. There's some interesting animation gap stuff here because we have some stuff where it's clearly just the Eternal and Kusanagi on model and other shots where we have super detailed battle damage on them and really intricate panel lighting. So it's not a problem. It's just some shots are way better than others. Well, I mean, some of them they probably had to basically just go with the uh, we had to save some money somewhere. Yeah, it's just an interesting contrast. So they Eternal and Kusanagi shoot all their guns at Genesis but aren't able to have an effect. Well, that's actually kind of a weird situation because they mention it's phase shift armor. The whole thing is included with phase shift. They're firing lasers at it. Lasers are supposed to go through phase shift armor, aren't they? Well, I just take it as it's a very thick armor and it has more than that going on. It's the reason, way I've always read. Well, they, they present it as it's just the phase shift armor itself because they say phase sh- even phase shift has its limits. And their bl- blasts just kind of bounce off instead of seeming to do any kind of actual damage. Like, yeah, if it's just thick armor, show armor plates buckling and just not doing any real damage, but just fizzling? That seems either they're trying to save money there or just lazy. I To me, it's about the dramatic effect, I think. It's the Dragon Ball Z, the smoke cloud clears and nothing has happened. We then cut inside to Patrick Zala, who's like, these ships are run by a little girl and a bunch of naturals. Why can't we destroy them? He decides to target the East Coast and, like, we cut to commercial on one of his aides being like, hey, what? Here we finally are at the end of Gundam Seed. I'm going to keep this kind of short, but I'm going to use a spot to plug twice because we have another one at the end of the episode. For any questions you guys might have for us related to Gundam Seed or not, please start sending them in. I'm going to make a Discord channel when this episode goes up called End of Seed Questions. You can also send us an email at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com or to any of us individually or, you know, however. We're going to try really hard not to answer them real time so that we have some content for a big old Q&A session. But like I said, it can be literally anything you guys want to ask us about and we will do some talking about on our recap episode. You have about a month to get those in at this rate because we're doing a bunch of what we're calling the island episodes between Seed and Destiny. And we've got some other projects in the works. I've got, frankly, a lot more to say. Um, Generally, just, you know, thanks, you guys, for listening to us and being chill. But we'll talk more about that next episode on the mid-roll, I think, when Zach, Jeremy, and I are all together so we can, like, talk at you guys and say thanks. I think that's pretty much it for this one. I'll let you guys get back to it. And again, thanks so much for listening to all... However many episodes this has been, I think 48 or something like that. You are all awesome. Bye. I actually really like the choice to cut it there on the on the eye catch because like that's not like this massive explosion or kind of big moment, but it's a big moment with regards to characters because it definitely shows like Zala's crazy. And but everyone his aides knows it. aren't because, like, he's like, okay, I'm willing to shoot at the, the their forces, but you're talking about shooting at a, at the planet. Like, those are just people. They got nothing to do with this. Also, that's where we keep some of our stuff. Yeah, we got <laughs> some, some of our people are down there. So Atherin decides they're just going to board Genesis, and that's the only option.
So he detaches his meteor. Kigali comes along. I like how he doesn't object to Kigali coming along. Honestly, she's well, probably pretty skilled in hand-to-hand combat could, considering her training. But Do you really think Atherin would mm. even bother to fight a war he couldn't win? Yeah, that's a good point. Atherin's smarter than that. Oh, and Kigali, Kigali's like lying to Lacus. We'll be fine, trust us. Like me, especially after just seeing Mu go down, after saying something similar to that, is like, uh, you're pushing your luck, girly. So the Providence has arrived here and is about to attack the two ships. And I do really like Rao's line here. It's like, it's a shame. I did enjoy your songs. Um, <laughs> and the dragoons start just strafing the Eternal. I really like just like Lacus, you know, what? what is that? Rao's going off on his whatever the hell he's on. And but... Throughout all of that, Walt felt just hard to port. Mm-hmm. Get us out of the way. That's actually been happening a lot. Is like Lacus is randomly talking to herself. Walt Feltz in the commander chair, just like, okay, we need to turn this well, direction. In part, is like Lacus is in charge in air quotes. But Lacus is also smart enough to know that she doesn't know this kind of thing, and Walt yeah. Felt does. He's so she's gonna let him do all the heart, like the heavy lifting when it comes to combat because he knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's why she hired a tiger man to fly her ship. I'm just really sad that he doesn't have a cup of coffee right now and it's like he's trying to keep it from <laughs> spilling during this entire battle. Well, he's only got one hand now. Like, what he needs is a cup holder, right? <laughs> anyway, but Ra- unfortunately, those are lost deck. Rao, particularly in the dub, has a great line of, but the real world isn't kind like some pop song. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. And we see more strays just melting like paper under the fire of dragoons. And the Eternal in this shot looks like it's taken a pounding before Kira's manages to arrive to intercept. And again, we get the new type flash as he comes with the sneak attack. So was Rao's new type flash in the original or is yes. that all? Okay. All of Rao's are in yeah, the original. All, all well. of Rao's are from there. And we get some really cool shots of the Freedom starting to take down the <sighs> dragoons one by one as they come after him. Like Kira's finally gotten serious. Or, you know, gone Super Saiyan or something. And then we get a cool shot of the Providence uh, just firing at it. And I bring up this shot particularly because this is where I kind of got why people like the Providence yeah. and got its entire deal. Like this episode, actually, I it kind of grew on me a bit. This shot in particular is where it clicked for me because it's got two guns on its shield, which is a thing I always like when you put weapons on a mobile suit shield so it can protect you. I like its heavy cannon. I just like the big backpack is what really turns me off yeah, of it. Definitely. What I finally realized after years is this is based on the Xiong, which is obvious. But like seeing this shot, it's got the same color scheme. The shield uh, gun looks very similar to the Xiong's hand. It has way more funnels, but and it's actually a completed mobile suit and a Gundam. But it just finally clicked. And like a lot of the high points of the design, like it's definitely got that awkward ass starfish backpack that's weighing it down. But I kind of got all the reasons it would appeal to someone. I mean, I, I can get it. Like I like I said, I like the heavy gun that it's carrying in the one arm. Um, it reminds me a lot of a Space Marine Devastator, actually, because they've got those really heavy like las cannons and stuff. But it's it's just too big and bulky for for me. And I'm not a fan of the Xeong in the first place, so that doesn't really help it in, at all for me. I like how Washington is still somehow the capital. Okay, so I, I commented on this earlier. We just get the shot of this, like, yellow mobile suit here. Like, what is this? It's straight up got the Freedom's Rifle and uh, rail guns. I believe this is one of the mobile suits from the manga. And then it just oh, you're immediately right. It totally gets... does just have the... Fr- it's got the same color scheme as the Freedom's Rifle, too. Was that added in the... in the? I think it was, yes. I, in fact, I know it was. I don't remember seeing it. I believe that's one of the mobile suits from the Astray manga, but it, I'm not sure. It's it, like a yellow gin with 
the high maneuverability wings, the Freedom's railguns, and literally the Freedom's rifle. It might have been like a general, a generic Guazine or Gin or something like that in the in the. I think it was release. a Gin. Atherin, they're not going to listen to you when you tell them to stop fighting. Yeah, okay, shooting Atherin them might help. Him, so, and now Atherin is philosophizing. But ghosts respond to his res- philosophizing about how th- their friends are dead, <laughs> which I do actually really like. Is just in- Atherin's internally like bashing his own philosophical points. Well, I'm also assuming those are people that he knew. So, like, you know, that he's remembering what their reasons were for joining, you know, the military and joining the fight. You know, my brother was at Boaz. I, they fired first. And it's just him remembering, oh, yeah, it's a lot of the same reasons why I signed up. So then we get Kira and Rao doing a beam saber clash and really going full into the philosophy. And I actually really like this part because it makes the stakes kind of personal. And a problem I sort of had on a conceptual level with this episode is that Rao and Kira haven't really had much screen time before. So making their <coughs> duel the final fight doesn't have the drama as it does if, say, it was Atherin and Kira, even though that wouldn't make any sense for the story. Yeah, because throughout the entire series, I think this is actually the first time Kira has actually squared off against Rao. Uh, because the rest of the time, it's always been Mu. In a mobile suit, yes. There was the uh, colony where they were all there but well i mean he, he didn't actually square off with him he shot but it wasn't like he was fighting against him because before that Mu was fighting him in his mobius zero you mean the like production yeah. column yeah or with the guns and everything you're on foot on foot okay yeah but Mu was still there Mu was still primarily the antagonist for rao kira showed up to help Mu. it feels kind of like they wanted to give kira a final boss rao fit the bill for being that final boss but they don't really build it up to it it's just kind of, it feels like stumbling into the final boss room two hours before the end of the series, <laughs> or the, the two hours before the end of the game. Yeah, although I think this conversation actually goes a long way to help solve that, because Rao basically weighs out his philosophy, which we've been talking about before, which is basically humans are on the path to extinction because of their inability to empathize with each other, which is actually also a pretty old school Gundam point of view. But he talks about specifically Kira's like, you only say that because of the way you were raised. And he's like, that's my point. People only understand themselves. They can't empathize with other people, which is like a very emo teenager thing to think, especially a thought that Kira Yamato might have. <laughs> that's kind of rejected by like Flay's talk about her true feelings earlier and how she didn't understand anything until the end. And also like. This is a thing that's not very well explained, but Rao is basically a teenager as well. The reason he takes those pills is that he was artificially aged, so he would be older than Mu, even though he was born later. So those pills are to help with the pain. And again, this is not explained well. But Rao is also basically a nihilistic teenager. Except he has a lot of authority in a major government organization. (laughs) So I really like this as like a final growing up moment for Kira, pushing past all his nihilism and cynicism. And like as a final hurdle for him, I actually think it's well constructed and it works. Even though they've kind of been rushed into this fight when Rao and Mu have been the ones at each other's throats for most of the series. You inherited my nemeses. So Kigali and Athern and a third random guy who's also from the manga <laughs> enter Boaz slash Yakin Due. This is Yakin Due. And Zal is like, hey, why aren't we firing? This will be over when we do. But his aide is like, hey, we've already won the battle. And all of his, um, like all the people stationed on board the, uh, the ship are kind of looking at each other like they don't want to do this. Zala pulls out his gun and shoots the guy. Just like doesn't even give him a chance. He's just like, okay, well, you're a dissenter and just shoots him in the chest. 
So we then cut and see that Isaac and Dierka have landed on the Archangel and they made it safely. But Kira has obviously got off with the Eternal and Kusanagi and the Archangel can't really reach them because it's not it's, in shape to go It's into badly battle. damaged. I don't know that I have a whole lot to say about this scene, but it's fun. I mean, well, there's a lot of like fighting and whatnot. The thing that I get, like, after we go back to the command center where Patrick Zala just shot one of his aides, and I can't help but think, you know, no one wants to really do this. This guy's clearly off his rocker. You've got a lot more guys there. Just drag him out of his chair. But they don't have a leader to, like, start going after him. I, yeah, that was kind of the guy that got shot. Was He was kind of the dude that was already that was doing that. I just couldn't help but think because he's also got that other aide standing behind his chair. And I'm like, he's not looking at you. It would be pretty easy to just walk up behind him, club him over the back of the head. So we start getting some almost Star Wars Climax-esque cut-betweens with the three major different scenes going on. Rao and Kira's duel. The Kira and... Kira. Kigali and Athern <laughs> infiltrating the satellite, and Patrick Zala going crazy. Uh, there's a real cool shot of a dragoon finally getting a solid hit on Kira and his leg exploding. And he again does his thing where he drops the shield. To go full offense. Yeah. Which is where we get the line I really like about Rao being like, yeah, people only know about themselves. They can't understand other people. And Kira like is reacting by like remembering all the times that was true for him. Like, after not understanding why he would join the Earth forces. Being told he's a traitor. Yep. Flay being saying, hey, you're not taking this seriously because you're a coordinator. And I really like that the last one is size, like, offhanded comment, wondering if Lacus only sounds like a good singer because she had her jeans played with. <laughs> and, like, the last one is an insult to his current girlfriend, and that's the one that he lingers on. I actually think it's a really nice touch, even though that's a line that's really easy to forget even happened. There, it seems really out of place. I feel like that's because it hasn't call been called to, but I feel like that is the one I would obsess over if I were him. But like a casual viewer who hasn't done a podcast on this for 50 episodes probably <laughs> won't remember it. Where'd the third guy come from? They only had two mobile suits when they came in here. You see an Australian as well. Yeah, there was a third one that came okay, in. Okay, and earlier ones, we didn't. I didn't see those. I kind of wish that guy had a name. I He's from the manga. He does, but... Oh, did they it's, add him in the um? No, in he's, the... he's in the original as well. Oh, is he really? His name is Guy. I can't remember his last name. He is a mercenary. He drives the Astray Blue Frame. Oh, and he's so he's a mercenary. He's purely there because <laughs> Orb is paying him. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's as good a reason as any. So Patrick starts giving his final speech about how they have to fire before the Naturals like regroup and manage another nuclear attack, and, and he start doing it himself. Yeah. One of his other aides is like, "Hey, our troops are in the line of fire," and he's like. They're all fighting this war in order to win. They understand the cost. It is Guy Murakumo. Oh, Murakumo? Okay. And, like, while he's doing that, dude he shot pulls out a gun and shoots him back. So, there are things I really like about this scene and things I don't. I love how this mirrors Asriel's death one episode ago of his, like, subordinate. Yeah, basically mutiny. Yeah. And I love how both of those things together completely reject Rao's philosophy on life and proves that he's wrong because they're both people standing up for other people yeah both case it's common people lesser soldiers who are like toppling these crazy idologues who are it turns out just the one percent and he was the guy and he was also already the guy who was you know standing up for it and saying we've already won this we don't need to keep fighting and it's like well if you're going to continue being crazy then i will use my sidearm and i will make it I, I will protect the rest of our troops who you're going to shoot on the other hand i wish this was a character that we knew the way it was with natarl yeah. there it are plenty available on the board 
Well, the problem is at this point in time for Zaft, there's really only one other major like Zaft player on the board that we have met before and really know, and that's Isaac's mom. There's Isaac's yeah. mom. There's also Nickel's dad, who hasn't shown up in a long time. But, but that would actually be a really cool turn for him, I think. The yeah, problem because with you kill my son. The, the problem with Nickel's dad is that. Like he shows up left like shortly before Nickel dies and like right around there, and then he doesn't really show up again. It really it kind of reinforces the idea of Nickel existed purely to die to motivate Athrun <laughs> in this series. I do think Isaac's mom would be good too, although we get to see her later as well, so it's not like she's forgotten. I just think one of those characters would be much better served here, since we don't have time to set somebody new up. Well, especially if they'd had Nichols' dad throughout the rest of the series kind of propping up uh, Patrick Zala and his whole, like, crusade thing. Give him a lot more screen time after that. You don't even need a lot. I think you only need one or two more scenes. We did see him when Atherin gets the justice. He's there. Well, you just need a, co- you, you need a couple Atherin. of more instances of him showing up, because otherwise it would just be, we still don't know who this guy is, because he's never around. And then, you know, the whole command bridge is all star- is you know, stunned that this has happened. Yeah, I love actually the animation on their faces. Like, everyone looks horrified. <laughs> and then I love that an elevator opens and Kigali and Atherin are in full first-person shooter mode, leaning around the corner, ready to take the command center. And they just see the leader bleeding out in freefall. Well, the leader's bleeding out. The other dude's bleeding out. And, like, Atherin's like, that's my dad! Dad! Uh, that, that's what I was planning on doing, but... Yeah, I really? was going to do that, but... Honestly, getting to this point, I don't think Atherin could have actually brought himself to shoot his dad. Kigali might have. I don't think Kigali could yeah, have either. After what happened to Ma- Kigali's dad, I don't think Kigali would kill Maybe Atherin's Maybe not dad. on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it, it really kind of reinforces that, because I don't think either one of the people who was doing the commando thing could have done it. Maybe dude without a name, or, or guy, whatever his name was, because, you know... Guy blew astray. He, he's a mercenary, so it's not like he cares. But, like, we don't know him, so it wouldn't have mattered as much. So Atherin floats up to his dad, brings him down, uh, and, like, his last words are just, fire Genesis. And I love that. I don't even know if he realizes this is Atherin, or if this is just, like, a person, and he's like, this is what we have to do. Or if he's just so far gone, he doesn't even realize how anathema that is to what Atherin wants. (laughs) I don't think he realizes it's Atherin, necessarily. And it's partly because how far gone he is. He doesn't think Atherin would ever even show up. You know, he, I don't think he ever actually assumed Atherin would be around. I do like that his dying thought is of the bloody Valentine. Yeah. Because that's been his dry, that's been the thing driving him for this entire thing. It makes, it kind of tries to humanize him because that's what he's been thinking about this entire time, but it drove him off the, off his rocker. I just like the shot Jeremy Paz because Kigali and Atherin are leaning over Patrick Zala and it's like, oh no, this guy died. And then you just have mercenary blue astray dude just kind of standing in the background like I'm half expecting him to check his watch like, dude, I'm on the clock here. <laughs> hey, he gets spayed by the hour. He's probably fine. <laughs> so going back to what you said about not everything needing a resolution, that's actually what I like about this is this one ends on such a tense note. Because Atherin comes in kind of too late to confront his father, he never really gets to. And I feel like they could have played with that just a little bit more in Destiny. And Destiny, his character is definitely someone who is not fulfilled yet. And I really like this moment for that, setting him on a new path, and that like he doesn't get to confront him again. Especially because the last words his dad says to him is a fire yeah. genesis. Yeah, making things worse. Like I said, I feel like Flay really needed a resolution because for so long she's just been trying to get to Kira and talk to him. 
Whereas this, I think, can end on this more tragic note because Atherin hasn't known how to talk to his dad and for this like, whole time. The last time we'd seen him, they were um, really breaking with each other. Bec- like Patrick actively shot at Atherin. Yeah, yeah, I just love or actively the- shot Atherin. I just love the dramatic irony of Atherin showing up just slightly too late. Like yeah. I love that scene. So then the Archangel arrives. Finally, to the battle, there's this shot I just love of Izak in the duel, like, out protecting it with one of the strike's shields. It's just like <laughs> a little touch of they resupplied it with what they had. I mean, it's, it's actually, I really like it. He also doesn't have the assault shroud or anything like that. It's just like, what I'm assuming is a spare gun belonging to the strike because his got destroyed and the strike's shield. Yep. And it's all over the top of, like, the absolutely just wrecked Archangel. Yeah, it's not doing like, so it's, hot. It's a really cool shot, especially because like they've also got e- a picture of Isaac like inset in it, and he kind of looks confused. Like he's not entirely sure what he's supposed to do at this moment because they showed up as the as Genesis seems to be being evacuated because there's ships and stuff running all over the place from it. I do like that Diarca just got a head bandage and is hanging out with Millie on yep. the bridge now. <laughs> just like, ah, oh, there's no chair. I guess I'll stand here. But there's a chair next to the helmsman. <laughs> like, there's literally a chair next to the helmsman no one's sitting in. Yeah, but the girl he has a crush on is over yeah. here. Yeah. True. So they talk about how Yakindue and Genesis are being abandoned here. So And we did see people starting to flee. Or I guess we see it now. So I'd like to point out really quick, this time down, or time down, this countdown starts with a timer of 1,800 seconds. That is 30 minutes. I mean, I feel like you'd want time to evacuate. I mean, arguably it is a that's big not station. Time. No, 30 minutes is fine. My ar- my problem is, is these guys. Seconds? Yeah, no, well, <laughs> no, not even that is that these guys don't do jack for 30 minutes. I, they got to get back to their mobile suits. They got to. We see a lot happen in this. And we don't place. actually know how long it took them to get here. So Atherin starts uh, doing that Kira one handed type to figure out what's going on. And Yakin Due is has been self the self destruct, but the self destruct is set up to trigger the Genesis weapon as it explodes, and it's pointed at Earth because Zala aimed it earlier. I can't possibly re-aim this. I'm not an operating systems wizard. I didn't take that class. I do like that. Atherin gets like one last line at his dad's corpse about how this isn't going to bring mom back. Does he say isn't going to bring mom back? No, it's, in it's the... anybody. Well, in the dub, do you remember? I don't remember what the exact line is, and I watched it today, but it's very similar. And Isaac's mom is like, everybody's kind of horrified that it's gonna, that it's aiming at Earth. And then we see a commando unit come in led by Canaver, who was a Siegel Klein supporter that got arrested at some point. And we see there's been like a full, basically, coup, or I guess the Klein faction is basically won by swaying more people to take up arms and resist. I really like that one. They look a little bit like the Marines from the Earth Forces we'd seen before. So it kind of makes you think that the Earth Forces had boarded wherever it is they are. And then she shows up. We cut to the duel where Rao is laughing maniacally because somehow he's realized that the Genesis is going to self-destruct, so that will make it fire. I Maybe think he, was he listening set to that Khan's up. Chowder or something. I, I yeah. think I think the reason why that is is he set that up specifically. That's well, okay. One of the things that I hadn't noticed before, but I really, really like. There's a gin with a red cross on it. The red cross is added in the HD version. This gin is here okay. with all the like people it's going by with, but the red cross is added to the that's HD version. still it's fantastic because it's also one of the things that I've always been talking about about you know pilots and Gundam and whatnot not being able to get out of their mobile suits. And here we have a whole bunch of pilots that this thing is recovered and this just sh- hanging on to the lines that it's running around with. 
like the idea of a medical me- Me- uh, mobile, mobile suit. <laughs> I really like that idea. I do too. And this shot is in the original. The uh, cross just got added in the HD version. And that makes me wonder if they do have ejector seats we just never see of some sort. I'm not sure how they would work because uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not either. blowing out forward is probably not a good idea. And there's too much stuff going up and back as well as down. And if all you. And if the only way out is to literally punch the cockpit open and then hop out, as we've seen people do previously, that's not a good idea. I mean, I do really like the Zeta Gundam ones where it's just the whole cockpit ejects. Well, in the in the Freedom and the Justice, we've actually seen what could potentially be a good idea because they have the retractable cockpit seats, which, yeah. honestly, I think that's too many moving parts. As someone like, who has built that... models of them, it is a lot of moving parts. <laughs> well, because whenever you have that, that's one of the reasons why in a different uh, book series they don't have elevators on board their ships. Because when they do anything, they could potentially warp and get people stuck. I like the idea of having this medical mobile suit here because it really d- helps show that not all of them are specifically out to, you know, hunt down and kill everybody. It kind of gets the, uh, what, is, what was that movie about the medic? Uh, uh, Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge. It, it's kind of the Hacksaw Ridge thing. If you have a guy who won't actually fight, it's all, Hacksaw Ridge, is, as I understand it, all about a medic who refused to actually carry a gun and fight. But he, like, was going up this really, really murderous hill and getting wounded and just constantly okay. doing that. I also like that it has, like, landing lights on the end of the body strings. Well, potentially, like, I can see that being a situation where it's, like, the, the lights are there to tell people these are non-combatants, you know, wounded or just, you know, EV pilots. They can't do anything. Don't shoot at me. Uh, so Rao <laughs> continues to be on his uh, crazy horse where he's like, yeah, Genesis is going to fire. That's going to make things even worse. Like, people will be even more desperate to fight after that. And then it's just a matter of time till full human extinction. Meanwhile, Atherin, Kigali, and Mercenary all get to their mobile suits and take off. And Kigali is like, what's the plan? And Atherin is like, well, I got a nuclear bomb here. So I'm going to self-destruct the justice in the center of Genesis to destroy it before it can fire. Clearly not a fusion reactor. And Kigali like raises after him like right next to the fire. Uh, from I, I really like that. It's like, again, it just gives this battle a sense of space that they go right past the duel between Kira and Rao. And well, Kira even, like, calls out to them to be like, hey, uh, help here. <laughs> well, it also kind of reinforces that they have steadily been moving across because they started quite a ways away from Genesis. And it does really kind of show because, you know, it's not just flashing to Kira and him yelling at somebody, but because they go right past it and then, you know, Kira and, and Rao go past them. It shows they've been moving a lot. I actually really like that line from Rao. This is a day of revelation from everyone. No, it won't be. <laughs> And finally, Kira gets a solid shot and blows off one of the Providence's arms. Meanwhile, speaking of Star Wars, Atherin blows a hole in Genesis to go through the Return of the Jedi-like shaft, Death Star shaft. It always struck me as more Star Fox, but I think you're. Right. I think the reason for that is because the Death Star was under construction when they're flying through that. Yeah, I feel like there should be an Andros at the end of this, now that you say that, though. <laughs> so, Kigala's like, hey, don't kill yourself, that's bad. And Athens like, shut up, I'm an emo teenager, too. And he uses his backpack to, like, block her out and stop her from following him, which is actually a pretty cool shot. I mean, I like it, because it, it also kind of is Atherin trying to, you know, save Kigali or protect Kigali like Kira asked him to, but at the same time, that's... Not going to stop her. It's just going to delay her a little bit, which 
could make things worse. Well, I feel like he didn't think this through. Like, if you just set the self-destruct on a timer, you could just get into her mobile suit, which I think is what happens anyway. I, I've talked before about how Ather and I feel like from the moment he, air quote, kills Kira is in an almost entirely suicidal mode. We see that when he goes to talk to his dad and he's like, hey, Diarca, I want you to have the justice. He's kind of got yeah. a death wish. And yep. I think that's even greater now that his dad is dead. Especially given that, like, he's you know, kind of the shitty teenager. I have to, you know, use my life to undo what my dad is planning to do type of situation instead of actually thinking it through. Whereas, meanwhile, we see from Kira and Rouse's conversation, Rouse points out in the past would have been like paralyzing the Kira are just having no effect on him at all. Even as Rouse starts to get in a good hit of his own, taking off Kira's gun arm, causing him to activate his beam sabers in Darth Maul mode. I always forget that the freedom can do that because that's always in my in, in my head. It's that's a justice, a justice thing. thing. They both got it. The justice looks really weird without its backpack too. This I, is one of the reasons I don't like the justice. I like its design, but with the backpack, it looks too thick, and without it, it looks too slim. Yeah, it's really a weird design. So he starts punching in his self destruct code when Kigali shows up and is like, "Hey, like, what did you expect to happen?" <laughs> Zach just pointed this out. Come on. And she's like, hey, it's more of a battle to keep living, so stop running away, and come on, let's go make out. And Ethan's like, huh, making out? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think that's kind of also the first time he's realized that he does have this death wish. Like, it, it, ha- it wasn't something that he really recognized, but Kigali specifically pointing that out kind of made him realize, oh, this is probably not good. And then we go back to the Freedom, which is going Super Saiyan. Yeah, it's glowing gold. Again, this is very traditional Gundam. Specifically, this is almost exactly what it looks like when the Zeta uses its biosensor. It's a little bit more pink, the biosensor, than this, but very similar effect. I feel like Flay's Ghost could be in the background here, and it wouldn't... uh, (laughs) Super Saiyan Freedom, that's what I'm going with. Um, I called it uh, Super Seed God Super Seed. He gets the Providence's other arm, but the Dragoons come out, get a solid uh, blast on the head and one of the vents and a headless armless legless freedom it's got one leg and one arm manages to drive the beam saber right into the cockpit and destroy the providence right as the genesis fires yeah it's very dramatic and one of the one of the things that i think is really um important about that scene is kira aimed for the cockpit yep yeah. after, especially after like insisting he was never going he wasn't going to kill anybody again uh, last episode, he also was taking out some battleships, but yeah, this is, again, in Destiny, we'll go ever It's after. a lot more personal. Kira but... thinks this person needs to die. Well, and it's, he was aiming, he aimed for the cockpit. Yeah, he didn't aim for... Like, he wasn't trying to avoid doing anything but hit him in the face. I also love that silhouette as they're slowly floating in front of the Genesis as it's preparing to fire with a giant beam saber sticking out of it. And then the Genesis fires and wipes out the Providence. Kira manages to, like, jet out of the way for a moment, but he, we still see him caught in the blast. Specifically, see the re- Freedom's wings being, like, ripped off. And then there's a giant, what we now have is a shorthand for a nuclear explosion. And the laser doesn't seem to get very and far. everybody on board, like, all the ships is just, like both stunned and kind of horrified because they know their people were on board that station when it went up. And in particular, I really like that, like, Lacus can't stay in her seat and, like, runs to the window, I guess floats well, to the window. Walt, Waltfeld is very stoic, but that's because yeah, like, that's Waltfeld's already been through something like this. It's, I actually was thinking that, like, this well, is the cost of war. I, I also get the feeling from that it's like, Waltfeld has been through this already, but it's also a situation where it's like, we're still in combat, we still have to keep our wits about us, and somebody on this bridge has to continue paying attention. Even though it seems like just about everyone else is just staring in awe. 
And this is where Find the Way starts playing, which is the third ending theme of Gundam Seed, though in the HD version, this is the first time we hear it, which is a song that like still gives me feelings to this day because of this <laughs> part of the episode. We see Rambo, we see Lacus, and we even see Walthelt kind of start to sink. Well, it's because the, ba- the battle's over. Like, everybody's gone. And the credits start to play. And we actually get, like, Earth some... Earth forces are bailing. We get some, like, radio chatter about, uh, like, how both sides are preparing to make peace over, like, a news radio. I think it's just an open channel of, hey, don't shoot anyone. Peace talks are about to begin. The Earth forces need to please leave because... This is Zaf territory. And we just see the wreckage. It's, again, very similar to the ending themes, where it's just wrecked mobile suits. And finally, we come across the Strike Rouge that's actually not too badly damaged. It looks like it just took a few scratches and a little bit of the booster pack got destroyed. And Atherin crawls out, because obviously he went with Kigali. The paint's all scored off, but it's okay. And then they both start crying profusely inside of their helmets. And hugging. Don't forget the hugging. It's important. It is. You know, if you're not ca- if you're really not careful with that, you guys are going to drown in your own helmets because you're not exactly <laughs> going to be able to open them in space. And then we get Birdie. Birdie launches from the Archangel, flying through space. <laughs> Strike Birdie. <laughs> I, I, my uh, headcanon is that it's always just been uh, had air propulsion jets, and that it flaps to look like a bird. <laughs> oh God! It makes Size a lot more sense. Face here. Yeah, it's not very good. It's very doughy. <laughs> so speaking of the original Gundam, we get it very similar to the end of that where they can't find Amaro and the Haros start like kind of bouncing and the little kids who are new types lead them to him. Everyone's like, where's Kira? But instead of Haros and kid new types, we get Birdie flying to him, <laughs> which is really kind That's of because well, it flies to the Strike Rouge and Atherin apparently notices it and figures eh, let's, it's probably going to Kira. Um, I implanted that thing with a tracking device so yeah. I can always find him. That's what I was thinking. Is that uh, had, that carries a little bit of a creepy connotation, doesn't it? Yeah, I was also actually thinking that uh, Atherin like snuck a like just basically like used one of those clips, snuck a microchip into the back of Kira's hand so that Birdie can home on him. So we then see a shot of the Freedom, which is just destroyed. It's got a leg left and a little bit of an arm, and that's it. And no head. Yeah. And Kira's just kind of floating nearby, like he's not even inside the cockpit anymore. Which is why I said maybe he ejected. I don't know, maybe, but that's my biggest problem. We don't know if it actually has an ejection system on board the thing, because it was also another one of those prototypes. And the space behind him is very pretty. There's all this nebula and stuff, and we see the ring Lacus gave him on a necklace just, like, floating in his helmet with him. Well, he is just, like, not sure, like, what's going to happen. I think he also isn't entirely sure if they won. If, if he won, you know. Because like Gen- he did see Genesis fire, it was it, it was, was a little the- <laughs> it was a little close. Um, so he saw it fire, but he, he doesn't realize that they managed to actually stop it from fully going off and destroying Earth. So he's just kind of floating there, basically despairing. And like when Birdie and the Strike just kind of pop out of nowhere with <laughs> Ki- uh, with, with an open piloting. Yeah, well. They're not being shot I, at anymore. I like that Atherin's in like a World War II girl on the side of a plane <laughs> yep. pose with his leg out. On the- Probably a lot more comfortable yeah, to ride is. outside no, the cockpit I, like that than it is to ride, you know, doubled up in the cockpit for those. They're I can just exactly imagine big. they saw Birdie flying towards them and they're like hugging and they're like, okay, we'll get back in the mobile suit. And like Atherin's like, I'll take the controls. And like Kigali just, just pushed him back him. out. <laughs> yeah. She's like, this is my mobile suit. <laughs> I don't get to pilot these very often. And I really like that it ends with them all, like, kind of crying and it sort of shifting to, like, a, hey, you're all right. And Kira even, like, closes his eyes and is able to accept it. And I like that it ends on this, like, super ambiguous note of, like, they all made it, but 
Like, they what are the ramifications? Yeah, because well, like on, in the, on the final shot, we've got Birdie in the foreground, and you can also see the strike or the the freedom, which is really banged up, and the strike Rouge, which is basically lost a bit of the Ale Striker pack and run out of phase shift juice. Like well, I kind of get the feeling that the Strike Rouge was built with a battery pack for the actual phase shift armor and another one for propulsion because it's also the only one we see really moving around a lot without power. Yeah, after the phase shift wears off. I mean, maybe Athrun brought a can of his favorite cola and he just keeps spraying it out behind them or something. I don't know. Well, we already saw the jets firing. Yeah. And something we didn't really touch on is with the music playing and the explosions, it's really unclear for a while who survived. And we talked about last episode, Moo died at the end, Flay dies at the beginning <sighs> of this one. It feels like any or all of them could be dead. Especially given the very end, though, like you said, the, the explosions, the sad music. Really doesn't make it clear that Kira, Athrun, or Kigali made it. Which makes each reveal that one of them survived, I think, really powerful. I mean, it really does help things out a lot, because especially with the with Kira being the final reveal, and we saw the freedom taking a lot of abuse as he tried to get away. And then showing, you know, first the freedom itself, basically shot to hell, and then Kira floating nearby. Yeah, I was saying I would not have been surprised if the series ended with Kira being dead. Yeah. Um, I, I Like, I wasn't terribly surprised that everyone else lived. Um, I was a little surprised if Flay died, but just the way the show has gone, like, Kira being dead at the end would not have come as a big surprise. I, that would be very Zeta Gundam of it, and like I said, this finale is very similar to that of Zeta Gundam, at least in structure. Well, given the build-up to this, it really does make it seem like going going into this final fight, everybody's on the table, and... Looking at it, it really looked like they were going to start bumping him off, because we lose a, we lose quite a few of the main characters that that we'd known for most of the series, because Nataral, Moo, Flay, and it really does seem like they're going to start knocking off a few more. But you know, Rao, the main antagonist, Patrick's all the main antagonist, both died, but that's about it. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I think this ending's really powerful. There is an epilogue to this series, and mm. it runs on the YouTube version of this, and it changes the tone of the ending a lot. Huh, what, what is the epilogue? I think we're going to watch it, so we should talk about our future plans. Okay. We're not going to go straight into Destiny. No, we have a much better idea. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm just going to leave this as a tease now, and let's finish talking about that. But I do plan to do a wrap-up episode for Gundam Seed, and I think we'll watch that as part of it, the epilogue. Okay. But before that, do we have anything else to say about this, or should we get into the high points and such? I don't know that I have anything else to necessarily say specifically about this episode. The rest I want to say, I can say for a recap, and I'd rather do that. Like, my, my biggest thing is this last frame. I just feel like Birdie's drawn really weird. I think it's drawn like it always is, but it's such a contrast to the way the mobile suits are drawn. And it's in the foreground such that it's really big. And it, I think the other reason why is because Birdie is very bright and in vibrant colors to contrast the uh, everything else here. Because it's on the shadowed side of the earth, so yeah. there's not a lot of color really standing out against everything else. That said, I was also actually going to ask if we wanted to rank one last mobile suit. Mobile suit birdie. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have to put the Providence on the list. I still want to rank the Dominion. <laughs> uh, do we want to rank the Providence now, or do we want to save that for our wrap-up episode? Um, I think the recap. Honestly, this one's gotten a little long, um, so... All right, so Tyler, what's your high point for the final episode of Gundam um, Seed? You know, I think actually my favorite scene in this entire thing is the random aide shooting Patrick right before Atherin gets into the room. Like, I love that scene so much. What about you, Zach? I would have to say, I think my favorite one is actually Kigali basically convincing Atherin that he has a death wish and that that's not a good thing. Because like, it's just the one line. I also like that we don't explicitly get to see that they, like, like them getting into the Strike Rouge's cockpit and getting out of there. 
Yeah, I was going to say, my high point, I think, is just the reveal of everyone surviving slowly and just the really somber note it ends on. It really made me want this series to have a sequel and made me really excited for Destiny because things (laughs) feel unresolved here. Also, I just wanted to see 50 episodes of Blackest and Kira making out. (laughs) Interesting that none of us picked anything that involves Kira for a a high point. Well, Kira being alive. (laughs) You know, surprisingly, he didn't actually do a lot this episode. He was mostly just keeping Rao busy. Like, so what are our low points? Uh, uh, it's really hard. It is. There was a lot. Like, uh, honestly, Flay's death also pretty high on my high point list. I mean, there was the giant alien space worm that came out of nowhere. Um, wasn't a huge fan of that. Man, I'm trying to think. Space Actually, worm. It, it's don't don't worry about it. It's a it's a trope that basically just means unexpected thing that just comes out of nowhere with no foreshadowing or lead up. Um, it's usually meant for a video game boss. It's named after a video game where there's literally the final boss is just a giant alien space worm. It's like a side scroll and beat him up and then all of a sudden giant alien space worm. <laughs> anyway, um, it is really hard to pick a low point for this one. I actually think the like impotence of the Archangel, while I also like it, I kind of feel like the crew should have gotten to be able to do something. But they kind of had their big thing last episode, so. That was it. All right, Rao's ranting. I I honestly think he goes on a bit too long. Like, honestly, I wish might be me looking back at this older and I was gonna say wiser, but I don't know if that's true or not. Just older. I I think he goes on a bit too long. And I, not no no no, that's not it. Flay space ghost. That is the my least favorite aspect of. this I was saving that for movie. someone. I was or, gonna of, take of this that. episode. God, I did not like that. I actually do, but I've I've said my piece on that. I think it's going to be Birdie flying through space at the end. I get it thematically, and it ties in well to the original series. But and I do like everyone be asking like, "Where's Kira?" Like he's the most popular new character on a <laughs> failing sitcom, but, especially because isn't but, that also like one of the earliest shots where we first meet Kira's? Where is we follow yeah. Birdie to him? Yeah, yeah. but like Birdie just seems kind of out of place. No, I agree. I'm, figure. I'm just saying that it, it does make a bookend. Like, I can see why yeah. you would do that, but I don't like Birdie. <laughs> well, and it's not particularly symbolic. I feel like it's yeah. supposed to be symbolic of Kira and Athrin's friendship. And at the end of the day, basically, Kira's like, no, humans can do better and, like, understand each other. And that's kind of friendship, I guess. Um, I mean, he and Athrin do now understand each other and are no longer trying to kill each other. That is, like, it's a little bit symbolic of that and kind of a rejection of Rao's philosophy, but, like, honestly, I think I'm reading way too much into that already. Uh, it's, a, it's a bad physical form for the metaphor. Yeah. All right. So that does it for Gundam Seed. That's almost a wrap. We are going to have a wrap episode. We're going to talk about series high points, series low points. We're going to watch the epilogue. I have another thing we're going to watch. I think that'll be fun. I would also love to have some listener questions. Anything you guys want to ask about Gundam Seed? please, please send them to us. We have our Discord. You can leave a comment on this episode at www.lastpodcast.com or you can email us, Gundam at lasttimeonvideogames.com. We also have the Twitter, LTOV Gundam. If you want to send any questions, any of those ways, I'd love to have a big Q&A to wrap this series up. Don't you guys also have emails specifically for you? We do, but yep. I'm not going to list all this. <laughs> I mean, technically I do too, but I'm never going to check it. So We're, we're going to rank the providence on this that episode if there's any other mobile suits you think we should rank that we forgot please feel free to suggest them if you want us to rank like the meteor um i don't have any plans to but if people ask for it i'm willing to do that or anything else we've overlooked the dominion back me (laughs) up guys you should go make like some random email account and just send us an email saying you should rank the dominion Uh, but send it now because we haven't released this episode and then we'll know it's you (laughs) (laughs) 
But before we get to that wrap-up episode, we have another plan to kind of cleanse our palate before we get to <laughs> Destiny. So we are going to watch three different episodes of three different anime that can draw inspiration or are paying homage or are straight-up copying War for Two from Gundam Seed. You do realize they're all made by the same company, right? Yeah, they yeah. are, but you can rip off yourself. I, I was just making sure you knew that they were all, they're all done Sunrise. by the same people. They are, in fact, all Sunrise Productions, so... We are all going to watch Island episodes for three different Sunrise series starting next week when we are going to be watching a series that all of us quite like, one we've all seen, Code Geass, episode 19, Island of the Gods. I really want to rewatch Code Geass, but I always start and then just like get too lazy to change the disc. When is that new season coming out? I don't know. I think soon. I, they were talking about how the like, first couple episodes are going to be in theaters as a fab. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't think I'm interested in watching it that way. But yeah, me neither. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, Crunchyroll's been doing that a lot lately. Anyway, that will do it for this episode of Gundam Seed and It's a Gundam. Please join us next week and the following weeks to have a little bit of fun, do some, some compare and contrast. And like I said, send those questions and we will talk about them on the wrap-up episode. And then when we can't salt any longer, we'll start Gundam Seed Destiny. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be uh, interesting. I mean, we could watch all of Zeta first and uh, then watch no. Gundam Seed Destiny. <laughs> that would be as bad as Destiny, and except for all the ways it would be better. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Bye. This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019.